the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I want to go out on a little limb right now and tell you something. There isn't anything that we couldn't accomplish if we all worked together. I believe we could change our culture. You know, our culture is uh, it's, it's not a very good culture. It's, it's a very immoral culture. As you know, the Bible says that the first church in Acts 17, verse 6, that it, the, the early church turned the world upside down. That's in the Bible. We are to be the salt and light of the earth. That's our theme this year. And if we, would, if we could get Christians, I mean, anyone who said that they were a Christian, if we could all work together, did you know that our immoral culture could actually become a moral culture? The divorce rates could be reversed. Pornography could be eradicated. We could once again have a government that honored and feared the Lord. We could have children who would honor their parents while revival could come to America. We could accomplish anything if we as Christians truly worked together. I believe that. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us for tonight's broadcast. Pastor Dudley is the senior pastor of Shepherd Church, which is one church on three different campuses in the greater Los Angeles area at Porter Ranch, Woodland Hills, and Agua Dulce. We'll be joining Pastor Dudley in just a moment. But first, we want you to know this program is called Lift Up Jesus because we exist to lift up Jesus and the life-changing truth of the gospel. And we do this every night, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. here on KKLA. No matter where you're listening from right now, in your car or your home or at work, you're about to hear bold, uncompromising teaching about faith, family, and daily life. We believe there is nothing like immersing yourself in the Bible each and every day to completely transform your life. We thank you again for joining us tonight. We know you're going to be enriched and encouraged by tonight's program. So let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message from God's Word. I want you to take your Bibles and look at Joshua chapter 6. I want you to look at this text, and uh, thank you for uh, looking at it here for this whole series, but we always like to find something new in this text. But in verse 1, we learned that Jericho, which is the gateway city for Israel to actually get into the promised land, is tightly shut up, which means it's the walls, the double walls are fortified, the, the gates are barred, the windows are locked. In verse 2, it's one of the best verses because before the battle ever begins, God promises that he's going to deliver Jericho into their hands. I want everyone to say the word hallelujah. hallelujah. That's always a good thing when God guarantees victory. And then you come to verse 3, and our word is in this verse. In the instructions, he says to march around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. So then in verse 4, we looked at this last week where he asked uh, to, uh, to get seven priests with trumpets or horns and put them in front of the Ark of the Covenant. 
And uh, that on the seventh day, you're to march around the walls, not once, but to march around those walls seven times. And then again, here in verse 5, we find our word again. It's, it's found in not only in verse 3, we find it in verse 5. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout, and then the wall of this city will collapse, and the people will go up and every man straight in. Now, for some reason, in the mind of God, the plan of God, in the giving of these detailed instructions, it was important to God that everybody was all in. There's an underlying principle of unity in this story that sometimes people miss. That as they marched and as they obeyed and as they followed the instructions, as they advanced, as they shouted, God wanted everyone involved. I want you to look at verse 3 again. It says, march around the city once with all the armed men, no exceptions. Now the question is, when he says all, how many is he talking about? Well, I want you to write this down because it's in the Bible. According to Numbers chapter 26, verse 51, God had commanded uh, the Israelites to count how many soldiers do we have. And in the Bible, Numbers 26, 51, that number is 601,730 to be exact. Now stay with me for some reason. Because God, he already knew how many soldiers there were because God knows everything. Can you say amen? Uh, God already knew how many soldiers they had. But back in Numbers, he told the leaders, I want you as leaders, I want you to know how many soldiers, I want you to actually count how many soldiers we have available. And they counted to an exact number. Now, there's always those who say, well, we shouldn't be concerned about numbers, preacher. And I say to you, uh, uh, respectfully, I, I disagree with you. Numbers are very important. In the first place, God was the one who demanded that they count. In fact, several times we have situations where God said, I want you to count. I want, I want you to count. The fourth book in the Bible is called Numbers. Jesus was the one that told the story about the shepherd who had a hundred sheep and one sheep went astray and... The shepherd left the 99 so he could go find the one sheep that had gone astray because every number represents a soul. So don't ever tell God that numbers don't matter. He knows the exact number of hairs on your head just like you know the exact number of children in your family. You would never say numbers don't matter in that situation. Numbers do matter. Now here's what I want. I want you to get this in your heart. I want you to understand Look at these numbers. It it doesn't say that there were 601,724. It doesn't say there were 601,725 or 26 or 27. It doesn't say that there were 601,731 or 732. The Bible says, God said, count. I want to know the exact number. I want you to know the exact number. He said that the Bible says there's 601,730,000 soldiers. Now we know that when they first went in, initially 40,000 of them, 40,000 soldiers, we know they crossed over first. 
But eventually, all 601,730 soldiers crossed the River Jordan into the land of Canaan, right there short of Jericho. Now, in all of our lessons, we've asked you to do one thing. We've asked you to imagine, because that's what we want to do, is we want, we want you to put yourself in that line. You're walking around the walls of Jericho with the other soldiers. Now, I want you to know that while you're walking, you're not walking by yourself. You're walking with over 600,000 other soldiers. Now, we've already established a couple of things. Number one, we've established that God himself is already in the line through the Ark of the Covenant, which was the sermon last week. The week before, we established something else. I don't know if you remember, but uh, week number two of of our series, we established that this plan was an unconventional plan and in many ways was embarrassing to them. You see, it's good to know that it's not just you standing out like a sore thumb, looking like a fool. There are over 600,000 soldiers marching around those walls with you. You see, it makes it somewhat easier to digest knowing that the entire Israeli army is with you. Amen? So my point of day number four is that if you surround yourself with like-minded people who are committed to the same goal as you, the journey of being victorious against an impossible situation becomes much easier. I want to tell you three things about numbers. Number one, write this down. There is strength in numbers. We all know that, that a few snowflakes can't do much harm. Uh, you know, how many of you are glad in California it doesn't snow here? Oh, praise God. Thank you, God. We love you for that right there. But, uh, you know, I grew up in the Midwest. We used to snow. And many times it would be snowing, and I'd watch the snowflakes hit your hand. You, you couldn't, they would disappear before you could actually see it. It hit and just disappear. I mean, the snowflakes can't, can't cause much harm. But if you get enough of those little snowflakes falling, you can shut down a city the size of New York City. We all know that a few drops of water never hurt anybody. But you get enough raindrops falling, you can create a flood that creates devastation. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4, it says that two are better than one. I want you to write this down. Uh, Verse 12, Ecclesiastes 4, it says the one may be overpowered. You're in a little battle or a tug of war there. You're all by yourself. You're in trouble. But two can defend themselves. I want to go out on a little limb right now and tell you something. There isn't anything that we couldn't accomplish if we all worked together. I believe we could change our culture. You know, our culture is uh, it's, it's not a very good culture. It's, it's a very immoral culture. As you know, the Bible says that the first church in Acts 17, verse 6, that it, the, the early church turned the world upside down. That's in the Bible. We are to be the salt and light of the earth. That's our theme this year. And if we, would, if we could get Christians, I mean anyone who said that they were a Christian, if we could all work together, did you know that our immoral culture could actually become a moral culture? The divorce rates could be reversed. Pornography could be eradicated. We could once again have a government that honored and feared the Lord. We could have children who would honor their parents while revival could come to America. We could accomplish anything if we as Christians truly worked together. I believe that. In our story, God said this. He said, I want you to get all the soldiers, every one of them, and march around those impossible walls. 
Imagine if half of them had said, no, don't want to get involved, not interested, going to stay back at camp. The rest of you are fine. Imagine if most of them had said, Lord, I'm not going to, I'm not going to involve myself in this little battle. Why, they would have been defeated. But all 601,730 of them together, they could accomplish anything. I want to say, as Christians, there isn't anything we couldn't accomplish if we just worked together. In any segment, any part of society, we could be successful. I believe that. You know, every year they come out with a list. Uh, I don't know who puts it together, but they put it together of the largest churches in America. And it doesn't mean that they're the best churches. It just means they put together a list of the largest church and the second largest church in America. It's all based on numbers. This year, Shepherd of the Hills Church, Shepherd Church, out of over 500,000 churches in America, we were number 51 on that list. We're the 51st largest church in America. Now, on all of our campuses every weekend, we run about 9,000 people here every single weekend. Now, that's a pretty good number. But I will tell you that that number is very, very deceiving. Because there's a difference between being a church goer, where we just count you. And if you're a warm body, we count you. We don't care who you are. We count you, right? In fact, if you were dead, but you were sitting in a chair, we'd probably count you too. Okay, warm or cold, we're counting you. If you're here sitting in a chair, we're counting you, okay? But there's a big difference between being a churchgoer and being counted versus being a Christ follower. A Christ follower is someone who's a true disciple of Jesus Christ, because anybody can come sit in a chair. And, And so that number really doesn't mean anything. doesn't mean anything to me. Okay, it might mean something to you, but it doesn't mean anything to me. What the number I'm interested in is how many true disciples do we have? People who are fully committed to Christ. People who are fully on board. People who are all in. People who are, who are committed to being Christ-like in every area of their life. People who are students of the Word of God. They, they are faithful in the way they live and the way they serve. They're, they're led by the Holy Spirit of God. And they serve and they give sacrificially. The truth of the matter is... If we have nine or 10,000 people who call this their church home, as in most churches, and don't, don't be offended, but it's just the truth of the matter, we've got about 10% of the people that do 90% of the work around here. About 10% of the people give 90% of the resources around here, which means that we have about 8,000 people who never lift a finger around the church. We have about 8,000 people who never give anything. I wonder how many of us are true followers of Jesus Christ. That's the question, isn't it? How many of us have a quiet time every single day? How many of us walk by faith? How many, of us, how many people literally give 10% out of, out, of, out of the resource, out of every dollar God puts in your hand? How many tithers do we actually have here? How many people attend every week? How many people are totally sold out to Jesus Christ? Now, that's the number I'm interested in. Oh, oh, listen, it it doesn't take me. Imagine, imagine if all 9,000 of us were fully committed to Christ, if all 9,000 of us were serving in the church and in the community. Imagine 
If all 9,000 of us were tithing, if all 9,000 of us were actively sharing our faith, imagine if what we've accomplished with only 10% really involved, imagine what would happen if all of us would be on board. Oh, we could change the world. We could change the world. Now, in our text, in our text, I I want you to write this down. I I want you to write down the word accountability and responsibility. And I'm going to talk for just a minute here about something that is the heart and the soul of this story. All right? Now, most people just skip over this. So you're here. God bless you. You get to hear the heart and soul. How many soldiers did he want marching around the walls? How many? Say it again. He wanted all of them. He didn't say, hey, get some of the guys that want to be involved and get them uh, stand up and walk. That's not what he said. He wanted all of them involved. And when he said, uh, on the seventh day, on the seventh lap, when the priests blow the horns, how many people did he want shouting? He wanted all of them. And not only that, I'm going to kind of make a long story short. Once the walls came down and they, they go in and they take, they take the city of Jericho, he made it very clear that he didn't want anyone to take things that were devoted to God for themselves, okay? He didn't want anybody to do that. I want you to take your Bibles and look at Joshua chapter 6 and go over to verse 17. Now, these are still the instructions because the wall doesn't fall down till verse 20, okay? So these are still the instructions. And he says in verse 17, the city and all, oh, there's that word again. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to who? To the Lord. The only Rahab, and we talked about this back in week number two, only Rahab, the prostitute and all, there's that word again, who are with her in her house shall be spared because she'd hid the spies that we sent. Now here it is, verse 18. Keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the entire camp of Israel, what? Liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. In other words, they, they have what's called the spoils of war. When you take a city, capture land, there's, there are possessions there. And he said, these all belong to God. Look at verse 19. He said, oh, oh, there's that word again. All the silver and all the gold and all the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to who? To the Lord. Now, go over to chapter 7, all right? Go over to chapter 7. One guy, one, ruined it for everybody. His name was Achan. Everybody say Achan. Achan was looking for Achan, all right? He was headed for Achan. And look what happens in chapter 7, verse 1. But the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things. And here it is, Achan. There he is. Son of Karamah, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah. I mean, they knew who these people were. They kept track of them. From the tribe of Judah took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against who? All now, that doesn't really make sense to me. One guy messes up and he gets mad at all of Israel. Do you see that? Now, skip over and show you one more verse. It's in verse uh, 11. The first three words it says, Israel has what? Sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have 
taken some of the devoted things uh, that they have stolen, they have lied, they have put them uh, with their own possessions. Now, in the mind of God, and I, I know this sounds strange, I, but I want to talk about it just real quick before I go to the next point. One guy, Achan, messed up. And God says, Israel hath sinned. Somehow, okay, now I don't, I, don't, I, can't, I don't know everything in the Bible, but somehow one guy messed up, and in, in the mind of God, he held everybody responsible for one guy messing up. I guess they should have come along. So there should have been 600 and 1,729 soldiers who should have said to Aiken, Aiken, put that back. But there wasn't one. And what that says to me is that if one of us in this church does wrong, that somehow it affects the whole church, just like when one NFL player does something wrong, it affects the entire NFL. You'd agree with that. Well, you better agree with it in the church too. Now, just the opposite is true too. If one person turns out right, whew, I'm taking a little bit of credit for that. Aren't you? I mean, let's just suppose that a child is in the nursery and his parents, we dedicated him last, you know, we ded- and, and I was here, I, we dedicated him. I think uh, 120-something babies. We ded- and imagine that child, one of those children grows up and gets in the youth, it's the best youth group in a country. And, uh, and we have the best children's department, and, and then they decide they want to go to Bible college, and so that student goes to Bible college, and they spend four years learning the Bible, maybe five, and they go to graduate school, get a master's, and, and then they, they decide to become a preacher or a missionary, and they go to, they go to India, and they win 500,000 people to the Lord, or maybe a child becomes the next Billy Graham, and literally this whole nation had become, and I'm going to say, hey, he grew up in our church. <laughs> I mean, aren't you? We would all have something to do because this was a fantastic church that we had going here and that child grew up. And we want all children to grow up in this church, right? And, and, and take on things of God. But listen, listen, if I'm taking part of the credit, if a child turns out right, I've got to take some of the responsibility when a child turns out wrong. And my point to you how many people does God want serving in this church? He wants all of us serving. How many people in this church do you think God wants, uh, wants as you go about your business, to be honoring him? How many people do you think he wants? He wants all of us to honor him. And somehow in that story, one guy messed up, he got mad at everybody. My point is that there's strength. If we would just imagine if we would all serve, if we were all Uh, honoring God, if we were all true followers of Jesus Christ, imagine what could get accomplished around this place. That's my point. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. As you can tell from his message tonight, Pastor Dudley has a driving passion to talk about Jesus everywhere he goes and with everyone he meets. So often, a person has never heard the life-changing message of the gospel. Or perhaps they, at one time, experienced the transformation that is only possible through Jesus Christ, but now they're discouraged or in need of hope. If that is you, we invite you to reach out to us right now and let us pray with you. Our toll-free number is easy to remember. It's 888-818-4777. Again, that number is 888-818-4777. We have prayer counselors standing by and ready to take your call. 
The secret to overcoming any obstacle you are facing today is revealed through one of the most extraordinary victories ever recorded in the Bible, the Battle of Jericho. Joshua and the Israelites followed God's unusual plan to walk around the heavily fortified walls of Jericho for seven days. The Lord promised that at the end of those seven days, He would cause the walls of that famed city to fall, allowing His people to take possession of the Promised Land. In his book, Walls Fall Down, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shows us how the seven spiritual principles in this story are available for all of us today. You will learn how the foundation behind Joshua's victory is the key to overcoming your own hurdles and unsolvable issues. When you choose to do things God's way, walls crumble, victory replaces defeat, and a blessed future unfolds. Pastor Dudley's book, Walls Fall Down, is available for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This invaluable resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. Discover how your personal Jericho battle is no match for the power of an awesome God. Call us right now and receive your copy of Walls Fall Down by Pastor Dudley Rutherford today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at the same time here on KKLA as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.